0: that us that's us we are recording for real talk for the terminator franchise mega episode
1: (laughs) the big one uh yes real talk covering the terminator franchise so uh i don't know if we exactly mirror opinions on this but what i figured we'd do uh given kind of the ranking and the feelings on the matter is just go backwards since we did sequentially in the first portion and uh before we picked it up for real talk uh i'm gonna watch dark fate julio and i will record our feelings on it a future episode for a bit of real talk and we'll also have Chaz do the same so for this one uh beginning real talk i thought we'd just start with terminator genesis which is the most recent one that julio and i watched before recording
2: reese right kyle reese you're sarah yeah i know that you hit your head back there?
0: Uh, uh, Terminator, I, I, I don't know the model.
3: T-1000 liquid metal shape changer. It just needs a touch something to mimic it.
0: Hey, you know about Terminators? And you know who I am?
3: You were sent to protect me by John Connor, the leader of the resistance, my son.
0: I don't understand. You can't know any of this.
3: But I do. Listen to me,
4: Reese, everything's changed. The 1984 John sent you to it no longer exists.
3: No,
0: this is all wrong. All right, John. John sent me here to save you
4: from the Terminator that was sent back to kill me. I know, but we already took care of him. We
3: get down. God damn it! We stop it.
2: That movie is bad. Well, I know (laughs) Chas agrees with you. I mean, okay. Terminator Genesis started so well, and there was a lot in Contrarian's Corner where I was actually doing real talk. I think they had all the right ideas for amazing conflict and drama, and then they threw everything away. The wheels of that film completely fall off when John Connor arrives in the past, because nothing he does makes any sense at all. Nope. Like, what does John Connor want? Why is he busting him out of hospital? Why is he trying to bring them to his side? Like, isn't he Skynet? If he's not Skynet, if he's some like human Skynet hybrid, why isn't that some kind of conflict? Why in like, is, is his main goal to discourage Sarah Connor from procreating John Connor because he's such a fucking asshole who makes no <laughs> sense whatsoever? Ah, oh, the movie made me so angry.
0: Well, I think that it's, I mean, it's not, it's not top-notch writing, but I think that the justification is that he went a little crazy. I mean, they even say it in the movie that nobody had survived that process that he went through. He was the only survivor. and But that the people that had gone through it before, they had gone, they lost their mind. And so I think that he's acting like a crazy person. Uh,
1: the problem with that is Jason Clark does not make a believable crazy person. He I, just mm. he appears as someone who acts poorly.
0: I think that he's better as evil John Connor than he is as regular John Connor. <laughs> when he went evil, I was like, okay, at least now I can take
2: you seriously. <laughs> but but then why he then becomes Skynet? He becomes the maniacal like he's trying to set up. SkyNet. Why is he trying to do that?
0: Well, I mean, it's part of yes. SkyNet. Nothing
2: he does in the film makes any sense to me. I think none it, of this fucking movie <laughs> makes sense.
0: <laughs> okay, there, there's two different levels of nonsense at play in the Terminator franchise, as we, as we explored in Contrarian's Corner. There is the the time paradox logic nonsense, which I think is just you know once you get to T two, it's a lost cause, and then you have the the character motivation nonsense, which I... I, I mean, I can buy it. Uh, and again, I wish we had gotten the sequels that were supposed to happen so that this we could see the story in its totality. I would like to think that they were going to flesh it out more. Uh, I really don't know what Skynet's big plan was, but I think they were banking on, oh, well, we have two more movies to explain that, hopefully. You mm, know, it's yeah. like they cast Doctor Who
2: as Skynet, but but why did they infiltrate John Connor why did Skynet infiltrate John Connor why did Skynet go back in time why does John Connor walk in and bust them out of hospital why does he find them and keep having these thematic monologues at them while also trying to he flip-flops between trying to convert them to his cause somehow and then like trying to kill them and none of it makes any sense and the thing that shits me so much about the movie like I said in uh contrarian's corner is that they had so much potential with their ideas of what if uh Carl Reese and uh meet Sarah Connor and Sarah Connor knows like the pressure on that kind of relationship when she is a completely different character than the Sarah Connor who does fall in love with Carl Reese and produce John Connor like that was fascinating i liked old arnold being pops who raised um pops who raises sarah connor I I thought there was a lot there. This was also way more in Salvation. I felt the PG rating and, like, it just felt like a disaster. Like, I wanted the R rating in this film and it felt like they were missing out by hamstringing themselves. Has there, uh, I don't know if uh,
1: my following of the modern film culture is notably lacking. (laughs) Um, I I was blown away that it didn't make a $100 domestically but made 350 million internationally was it mm. was this 3d because i know
2: that's that will be important. china pretty much yeah. yeah
0: that's why they got that terminator
2: <laughs> they did yeah.
0: recast Robert mm. patrick
2: uh that yeah cause- well i i think that back in oh i mean this isn't that long ago but china for a while would only release a very limited number of foreign films like it was something like 16 or 24 films a year, and if you got to be one of those movies, you're pretty much guaranteed a quarter of a billion dollars yeah, and, in box office.
1: And that's uh, the Asian market is specifically where like 3D movies thrive for a very similar reason to that.
0: Yeah, I don't remember if this was 3D. Uh, was it? I don't. I don't. I would assume not so. from
2: my memory, but there was a, a movie called. Bait 3D. Did you ever see that shark in the supermarket (laughs) uh, movie? No. It's an Australian film. There's a flood that all these people are caught in a supermarket and there's a shark in there with them. And it's starring Xavier Samuels, who's a guy I went to uni with. Lovely bloke. And that movie is one of the trashiest of trashy horror movies. It wonderfully trashy It knows what it wants to be but it was like the highest-grossing Australian movie of that year because it got one of those um, China-release spots. It was it was distributed by Paramount. Uh, I'm looking at the Wikipedia page for it right now.
1: God bless. Um, so, yeah, Genesis is not good. And, you know, part of the thing of working backwards here with this countdown, is, or not countdown, <laughs> but uh, review... <laughs> you
0: want to end on a high note?
1: No, 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 it's not that. It's, you know... Uh, it works a better it works better sequentially cuz the whole diminishing returns thing and it's the point with terminator like you it, this is this is the cost of lies this is where we get To where it's just we have to make the most convoluted fucking mess possible because we Mm -hmm. can't figure out Mm -hmm. a straight path to go on.
0: But I think that if you're – I mean, I think it's a valid choice.
1: I'm saying that you can, but I'm saying what they think is going to appeal to the widest – like what's going to cast the widest net. All right, we got to redo a lot of shit from like the original to get those people in, and then we got to (laughs) make new shit to get new people in. Like I told Julio when we were watching this, Chaz – There is nothing original that happens in the first half hour of the movie. It is literally recreations of old scenes and reciting old dialogue.
0: But I think that that is – I was half serious in Contreras Corner. I think that's part of the trick, successfully or not, where they want you to think – they want you to feel like you know what's going to happen. Yeah. They're establishing – they're – making sure that you're all on the same page, right? The audience and the story. Mm. So that then later when things start changing, then you feel it, right? Which is, to me, I mean, I know I'm a sucker for that kind of stuff. Like the time travel stories where people get to go back and change stuff and you get to see things played a little differently or a lot differently. That's right up my alley. So I know that's why Genesis works better mm. for me than than most people. And, and I also think I really that-
2: love the opening of Genesis. I loved how- you know, Carl Reese shows up and he's not the hero and he's like really out of his depth and he somehow has to trust a Terminator and I think a lot of that stuff really works. And then as soon as they time travel again and John Connor shows up, the wheels just fall off that movie. It'd be cool if it wasn't Jay Courtney.
0: Do you not like Joy Courtney in this movie? I thought it was he was oh, better I than he's uh... hopelessly
2: miscast. Really? Uh, I actually a- think Amelia Clarkson is miscast as well. I don't, yes, like, I, agree I that. love her as Daenerys, but she is not Sarah Connor. I don't know what it is about her, but she just seems too soft. And I want to say she seems too short, but Linda Hamilton isn't tall either. But Linda Hamilton and Michael Bain just work so much better as a couple oh, than 100%. huge enormous beefcake Jai Courtney <laughs> and tiny diminutive round Amelia Clarkson.
1: Soft is the perfect word to describe uh, the the character the the error in casting here because Linda Hamilton I- even just like the way they make her up and her hair and uh, everything in that she in the original is like uh, you know obviously she's not a single mother yet but she is like she seems like the grizzled single mother that like has to scratch and claw for everything she has and that's just based off like appearance you know uh, she's hardened mm-hmm. here it's like. It's basically like this fucking supermodel is supposed to be like this woman that's going to save the world.
0: I think that some of that you can uh, uh, just basically explain away by saying that well, this is not the same character because she's been into you this can just thing. Explain
1: away by looking at the camera and going Terminator, <laughs>
0: exactly time travel. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> no, you know, it's like she's being she's being into this thing from like H nine. So you know, it's you know her development has. But been But then
2: different. why isn't she some lean, battle hardened? Creature. The same thing about Jai Courtney, like, beefcake Kyle Reese for some reason doesn't work for me.
0: I-, I can buy it as far as, like, the aesthetic of it doesn't bother me so much as the actual acting. I, I have more trouble, not with the way she looks, but just the way that she delivers her lines, um, I think that her dialogue, now that we're in real talk, I mean, I think her dialogue sometimes is just uh, Edward Furlong level of just... Except that it's not the 90s, it's like the 2000s and she's trying to be quippy in a 2000s way that just doesn't doesn't work for me and I think that's partly the writing, partly just the delivery. Maybe she just can't be quippy or she just didn't, didn't feel comfortable with those lines. Uh, Jai Courtney, I don't think that she works as Kyle Reese, as the Kyle Reese I have in my head, but as the Kyle Reese that he's doing, it's okay, you know, it's the. the it, I could buy his his inner conflict at having to fight John Connor and his, uh, you know, I think he was playing uh, the guy that doesn't know what's going on anymore mm-hmm. really well, like the out of, mm. uh, fish out of water, you know, <laughs> uh, thing where yeah. even the little things that he knew but, but this no is, longer apply.
2: I, I just want to just as a whole over all non-Cameron-related Terminators, so Genesis, Salvation, Rise of the Machines, I think all of those films raise really interesting character conflicts and then run away from them. They do not lean into them in the way that they do. You know, that's one of the things I really like about Dark Fate is that they actually lean back into the consequences of knowing what your future is. And here they raise these ideas and then just do not in any way challenge the characters. And I know that, like... I'm a screenwriter and a storyteller and these things may be a little too obscure for me. But what makes a fascinating movie, what makes Terminator 1 and 2 so amazing is not just the horror and the action and the effects. It's what those characters are going through.
0: Yeah, I I think that uh, something that really affected it is, uh, you know, I wonder what would it be like if they had said, "Okay, we're just going to make a Terminator movie, not a Terminator movie that's going to launch or relaunch the franchise, right? Because uh, the movie ends basically with the promise of uh, whatever we haven't answered here, we'll answer in the next one. <laughs> and, yeah. you know, if you were not so concerned with creating a new set of questions to be answered in future movies, if you don't uh, kind of make this convoluted story of... Uh, Well, who sent Arnold Schwarzenegger back in time to protect Amelia Clark Mm -hmm. in the beginning? Mm -hmm. You know, and you can just streamline your storytelling to where you just can focus a little more on the characters that you have at play, and uh, you know, I like, I love the idea of the Terminator growing old and somehow having to, you know, deal with waiting to shoehorn in that. Yeah, yeah, that was really good. Uh, And just, uh, I like the idea of getting to see the romance between. Kyle Reese and Sarah Connor develop in real time instead of just you know. It would help if it was
1: in any way believable.
0: Right, but but the original concept. <laughs> <you know>. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I agree that there are like some really good ideas in there.
1: Yeah, and I, I think Chaz, I, I was trying to figure out my biggest issue with it while we were watching it. I think Chaz, um, was prophetic in saying uh, it's <laughs> it's too Hollywoodized. It's these people are too pretty and too. Extreme to what the character is implied to be.
0: Did you see the scars on Jason Clark's face? <laughs> Jason Clark is a good actor. And
1: that's like, I've seen him yeah. be good in things. So I know it's not him. It's just
2: that movie. And Amelia Clark's an amazing actress.
1: Yeah, I don't watch Game of Thrones, so I'll take
2: Hill's word for it. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it,
1: it did some right. It was the second highest grossing Terminator movie ever.
2: But it will be. Oh my God. It grossed more than Terminator 2. Uh,
1: second highest grossing. It was, it was uh, Terminator 2 and then this one. Okay. Yeah, just by a hair, though. It just barely beat out to three. So uh, it is fifth in my ranking. Uh, where would it rank for you, Julio?
0: Um, oh, God. Now I have to go backwards. Fifth for you means that that's your last one. Because Correct. You have Okay, we're not including Dark Fate in this. Yeah, we're just going to do these five. So uh, I probably have it fourth.
1: Okay. Chaz? Bottom of the barrel. Yep. Good man. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, my, my, my ranking is not going to be exciting. It literally goes 1, 2, 3, 4, 5. <laughs> so uh, Terminator Salvation going back.
3: I don't know what you're talking about. And why are you here? Blessed said you could help me find who I'm looking for. Now let me down. If I let you down, you'll kill everyone in this room. Just you and Connor. Because I didn't give a shit about you. I didn't even know your name till two days ago. No. You and know me, we've been at war since before either of us even existed. You tried killing my mother, Sarah Connor. You killed my father, Kyle Reese. You will not kill me. Kyle Reese is on a transporter heading for Skynet. If I wanted to kill him, I would have done him in L.A.
1: You know, uh, the rewatch of this, I had only seen it once during its original theatrical run. Uh, McG is, you know, he has a a vision for filmmaking, but I'm never going to pretend like he's someone I really enjoy. I like the Charlie's Angels movies. Uh, I I think Sam Worthington's a cunt. I don't use that word too freely, but I think he is. And, uh, so him kind of bottoming out, I mean, he has more money than I will ever dream to have, but his like presence of a star bottoming out after this brought me such joy. (laughs) <laughs> um mm? uh, Chaz, i told julio this uh basically he was dead to rights for me at the 2010 oscars where he sat there with his sunglasses on the whole night like not smiling and just being so smug about everything thinking that he was you know the, the second coming of man and then to see his like mm? you, you know, mm? pride uh, my friend reed said what pride was he nominated for for avatar he wasn't nominated he was just there as part of the cast okay I, if I remember correctly, a lot of people thought that was like a a, a shoe in to win Best Picture.
0: Right, that was I, a Hurt Locker, yeah. right? The, the yeah, I feel did, like yeah. Hurt Locker was like yeah. an
1: upset. Yeah, but hmm. whatever. Yeah, and Sam Worthington does nothing to reaffirm my stance of him being some great actor in this. I think you know uh, he has a look, and he has uh, he kind of has that presence and that look and those uh, that. Face of a Hollywood star, um, but I, I find him very like uh, dry. And the most hilarious thing in this movie, I, I texted Julio about I, Chaz. I don't know if you caught it. There's the scene where him and Bale come face to face for the first time, where Worthington is just speaking just in his natural accent, his Australian <laughs> accent. It's the only scene in the movie where he's not like talking like his character, and it was it's so funny to me.
0: It just to me, I could. I noticed a change in the accent. I just didn't realize it was it had gone from American to Australian. Yeah,
2: I mean his accents have always been pretty terrible. But can I uh, look? I I, on on the rewatch here for me, Salvation actually went up in my ranking, and that's because I watched it through the lens of what if Christian Bale hadn't, if his ego hadn't fucked this movie, because I, I love the idea of a man waking up and experiencing the post-apocalyptic world, almost like 28 days later, and that he's a real bastard and kind of reconnecting with his humanity only to find out that he's a robot. I think that's fascinating. And I think the original script had John Connor, you know, coming through the airwaves, and that's amazing. And, you know, what if you only met John Connor when Marcus meets John Connor, rather than him being fucking action hero from the- opening sequence and being a complete asshole to his superior officers and everyone around him and having a a messiah complex. I think there's a really good movie in here that got hijacked. And I love the idea that they never lean into of John Connor actually being put in conflict with what if what I think is actually the right thing to do is in conflict with what I was told as a kid about the future. Like, is the future set? Like, am I supposed to live into the future that I've been told, or am I actually, can I have an effect on my fate, right? They they open up the possibility of exploring that, which is a great Terminator theme and is fascinating, and then they just fuck it completely. Yeah,
1: I think uh, you're right. There's a lot of really good germs of ideas, but like you and I were talking about in Contrarian's Corner, Chaz... It, It seemed that the priorities in this film were in a different place than being a good movie of uh, (laughs) the marketing and the, you know, bringing it to PG 13 and making it to be able to appeal to kids. And the big thing also was it was the, there was like the big resurgence of the video game presence for this one. Like uh, there was the, um, they made the 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 light gun shooter. Yep, that was like you know supposed to be the parallel to the one for T two, and I think there was a big push at making this as easily digestible for mainstream as possible, and with mm. an emphasis on that being towards younger audiences. And so I think a lot of that comes yeah. down to fuck it, strip this movie down, make it as bare bones as possible, and that leaves people like you, myself, and Julio in a position of like well, there's these interesting things here I really wish they had done instead. Mm. Well,
0: but see... Yeah,
2: the same with Genesis.
0: See, I will disagree both of you because I think that Salvation is actually a good movie. I I do like it. And That's going to do it for the contrarians. <laughs> mm-hmm. No, because... Uh, and and this, this may come to just what we want from the franchise. I was really excited. Actually, what excites me still about Terminator Salvation is that it's not just another story about the Terminator traveling back in time to try to kill John Connor or somebody related to John Connor. So it doesn't bother me that John Connor is the figure, uh, the central figure here. I think that this the, the idea of the Sam Worthington character be in the center and, you know, the original idea for Salvation, I I agree that it's a really good idea and it would be an awesome movie. But in that case, I would say you can't pull it off with Sam Worthington. I don't have a problem with Sam Worthington here because he's not the only, uh, character, you know, but if you, I don't know that I, I would care enough to watch him carry Terminator Salvation on his own. Um, I would have to get just give Christian Bale that that role. Then uh, I like what Christian Bale does with John Connor. I like the version of John Connor. A lot of what I said in Concerns Corner, I actually believe that it's. I find fascinating how John Connor as a as a figure has changed so much, but it makes sense, you know, that to go from Edward Furlong mm. to Nick Stahl to to just the guy yeah, that's yeah. just kind of an asshole when you meet him in yeah. Salvation, but he would be because. He, he believes he has a right to be this uh, guy.
2: You're- I know, but he's an asshole who's supposed to inspire humanity to rise behind him. Right. But and I you think you get that glimpses he does. of that with the radio broadcasts. No, I, oh, I mean, that's where I just, I guess, subjectively disagree with you. I think the, the way that they show him dealing with his superior officers, just being so privileged and entitled. And I think yep. this is also goes to casting and the backstory of how privileged and entitled Christian Bale was in, you know, that YouTube clip, like, it just doesn't work for me. I mean, also, how does- how do the machines- I know we shouldn't talk about how time travel works, right? But (laughs) how do the machines know that Kyle Reese is John Connor's father? And what would have been fascinating to me, right? This is where this story could have done, right? Marcus has infiltrated the, the base. And then he's come out of the base. He's gone back to the Terminator factory and he's heard Sarah Connor's tapes. Right. Right. And the machines learn through Marcus that John Connor is the future, that he's going to defeat the machines, that they're going to invent time travel, that Kyle Reese is their father. And then they find out that they have Kyle Reese in custody. How amazing would that have been?
0: I but see. I I was gonna say somebody probably leaked the tapes.
1: <laughs> um, I was gonna meld both of y'all's opinions on that because I'm somewhere in between. I agree with Chaz in the fact that like Christian Bale does not the John Connor character and Christian Bale's portrayal of it does not make him sympathetic or like commanding at all to me in terms of like uh, not commanding but captivating. But to your point, also the main thing I always have taken away from this movie is Christian Bale. You can Tell cared so much about it. And so that makes me as a viewer kind of care about it too. Do I think he's great in it? Not really, but I can tell he really cares about what he's doing. And so I give that props.
0: I think that there's, the movie obviously doesn't delve into this very much and it should have, um, especially given how, uh, you know, populism has helped <laughs> some uh, some people rise to leadership now. But th- the idea is that uh, at least, Especially on rewatch, you know, he can be an asshole to his superiors, but to the common man, to the people that are listening his transmissions, he's he's a hero. He's a hero of the people. and he's So, I mean, I said Alex Jones in Contreras Corner and really, you know, he's a guy that's saying a lot of things that people need to hear, whether they're good or bad. So we may see him in the movie as as an asshole, but I can totally buy how he he has become this kind of like folk figure to to the masses. And then when it comes to the moment where he says, Hey, the the big brass is about to kill a whole bunch of innocents, uh, you know, he's gonna sacrifice them for the sake of destroying Skynet. Do not do it. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna save it. I'm gonna make it okay. I can totally buy that. That's the moment that people just completely become you know he becomes the legend then you know that's what th- that's the thing like this movie starts not with with john connor being the the savior yet but he becomes that figure by the time that the movie's over so i i can buy that what was... no, the movie would be a lot more interesting if it really delved into that
1: <laughs> uh common is terrible in this and i know common's not a bad actor that's one of my big takeaways every time i watch this.
0: Well, he gets like two scenes. <laughs> but that scene
1: where they like knock
2: down that drone or whatever, he's like, "Look at it. It's beautiful." Mm-hmm. I'm like, "All right." Uh, I really that- loved Anton Yelchin's casting. I yes. thought he was a great young Kyle Reese about like before he becomes a soldier. Yeah, he's a, he's basically a, a Junk Honor fanboy and and that should have been such a powerful moment when they met each other and it wasn't.
1: And that oh man, yeah. The the panning shot of the elevator going up and you just see that like kind of l- not longing but just kind of exasperation on Christian Bale's face. I'm like, god damn it in a better movie that shot would have been so impactful. Is that
0: when he says um uh, when Kyle says I'm not going to leave you behind. Or I'm not going to leave you and then Christian Bale says you didn't, you didn't. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. I but, got chills.
1: Okay, yeah. I guess <laughs> that's uh our our thing about the movie had you yes, and it didn't yeah. have me, so I just was like, fuck mm. you, that would have been better in a better movie. Yeah. Um, <laughs>
0: the, the other thing yeah. that I really enjoyed is... Again, you know, it's like I like the setting. I get, I like that we get to see what the rebellion was doing.
2: I really like the setting. You yeah.
0: know, it's like the idea that they're like exploring this new weapon that might shut Skynet down and they know these different types of robots. They, they know that they have to like catch one of the eels and test it on them and they have their protocols. That stuff I find fascinating. Yeah. It, 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 that kind of war building.
1: I, uh, I put on Twitter the question like earlier today about hey, we're doing this franchise retrospective. Which one's your favorite and why? And uh, someone responded, they said, uh, Salvation's not my favorite, but I defend it because we live in an era of shitty just cra- cash grab sequels. And it, it at least had, like, the gumption to try something, and overall it looked good.
0: Yeah. And uh,
1: he said it looked really cool, and
2: I was like, yeah, that's a fair point. I just love how it's set post-Judgment Day, but before, like, laser battle sword <laughs> like that, that you've seen in- Terminator 1 and 2, right? Yes. The, the the machines aren't yet making Terminators, they aren't yet that sophisticated, right? And it made me even wonder like, oh wow, imagine how hard it would have been for the machines to like repurpose auto manufacturing to build Terminators without actually <laughs> having people to do it for them. You know, like there's- I would loved the world building in this film.
0: Um, chess I told Alex about this and I said I'm going to save it for the recording but do you know about the the original ending of the movie no so I was telling him uh if I think if this ending had happened and they pull it off you know you you have to build up to it much better than than the movie does currently but um it might be it it might become like my second favorite uh the original idea was that John Connor dies so then they Sam Worthington, because the, the, the rebellion recognizes that John Connor's value is as a symbol, they keep him alive as, as a symbol by grafting his skin. Basically, they turn Sam Worthington into John Connor. But when they do so, then Skynet, who you know hasn't been defeated, takes control of John Connor and John Connor kills everybody. And that's the end. Wow. So it's like extremely bleak, extremely nihilistic, but the studio had actually greenlit it. And then it was, uh, I don't remember, I think it might've been McGee who said, no, this is too much. (laughs) The audience is not going to like it. That would've been pretty
1: heavy. (laughs) But I
0: was like, I would've loved it. I mean, you would have to make the movie, the entire movie, even darker than it is right now. So that, that feel that, that ending doesn't Mm. come out of nowhere. But the idea that you end the story of the Terminator with you know just it's just hopeless you know the machines were always going to win hmm. no matter how many people we send back into the past uh
1: well <laughs> that's a perfect segue going back okay real quick you said you had genesis 4th yes so what's 5th
0: number 3 rice
1: Okay, another segue, and also you being a fucking moron, uh, to Terminator 3.
0: By the way, Salvation is number three. Oh,
1: God. All right. Uh, Moving on to the movie that had the balls to have the ending it did. and I I love Terminator 3. I defend it.
4: There's nothing here. this This is a fallout shelter for VIPs. Only they never got the warning.
3: God damn it. There's there's nothing (laughs) here.
1: Uh, i've talked about it endlessly on the podcast before and that's one thing that no matter who i talk to i always get the answer back of yeah well the ending's great like people have issues with the movie throughout but um it's one of those uh i have such a weird like life parallel with the terminator franchise it's been such a huge part of who i am like as far as like a film fan and just You know, growing up and T2 was such a huge thing in my childhood. And then Terminator 3 was – I was still in high school and it was before I became like a really ardent overanalyzer of film. And so there wasn't like these things I picked apart from not liking it. And then Terminator Salvation was when I became that person of like really picking it apart. (laughs) Well, the reason I kind of say that is because I've gone back and watched Terminator 3 and while I can find things about it that – you know, oh, maybe I I wish this was a little bit different – I still really enjoy it, and I can't really say enough about the ending about how there's no movie that would really – any major franchise today would not do that. Like the idea of just like, yeah, everyone still dies. Like there's <laughs> nothing you can really do. Here, here it is. And um what makes that ending so good, if this may be the only podcast released in 2020 that uh applauds an acting performance by Nicholas Stahl, but like <laughs> – Him and Claire Danes, the way they sell it when they figure out what's going on is so good. Mm. And in general, I think that was the last time we got a sequel that was truly deserving of the first and second Terminator. And I know that sounds silly because they were sequential. But like in my opinion, that was the last time we really got a a
2: sequel that was on par with those that preceded it. I'll wait to see what you say with Dark Fate.
0: (laughs) Uh, I was going to say, the ending of Rise of the Machines... (laughs) Is the beginning of Watchmen (laughs) (laughs) You know Everybody agrees that it's great But what happened with the rest of the movie (laughs) We're all still discussing it Uh, Chaz, I know you like Rise of the Machines more than I do But I also, I think the last time we talked about it At length, you hadn't rewatched it Recently, so watching it now How do you feel What do you rank it, I'm curious
2: Uh, Below Salvation, and that's Swapped with the rewatching Wow (laughs) <laughs> Alex, is so,
1: you have betrayed me, Chad. There's
2: a, well, I thought I was going to come into this on your side, Alex. I genuinely did, because it was the first Terminator film I'd seen in theaters, and I saw it as, you know, a young man whenever it was released, and it was so great to see that franchise back up and running, um, and- I think I was young enough where I found the humor actually funny, whereas on rewatch now, I'm like, there is nothing funny at all about any of this movie. Like, the amazing thing about uh, Hasta la Vista, baby, is because John teaches uh, (laughs) the Terminator to do it. It has emotional resonance when the Terminator says it, right? Talk to the hand. I was like- Fuck. And the the existence of the TX, like how much more technologically advanced she was, it just felt like this time it jumped the shark. It felt completely unnecessary that John and Kate had to know each other before the movie started. Uh, You know, that Kate also happens to have been the daughter of the Skynet creator or enabler. And I mean, then the TX reveals herself to Kate. She's walking up to Kate in the graveyard. She's yep. <laughs> about to- She's looks like the fiance. All she has to do is get close enough to Kate to stab Kate. And for some reason, she decides to change back into Christiana Loken in front of Kate. Like, it makes no sense. Yes, the movie is ballsy as fuck. I also love- like what I said in Contrarian's Corner, I love Sarah Connor dropping dead after Judgment Day. I love John Connor being a purposeless, drug-addicted drifter. That is great fodder that they then just drop completely. And, man, I, the the humour... The uh, I'm sorry, Alex, I wanted to be there with you, but on this <laughs> rewatch. Just these characters making stupid decisions, none of it making sense. Like, the painful humor just made it drop a ranking for me.
0: I'll, I'll be a little bit on your side, Alex, because if nothing else, the biggest surprise of this rewatch for me was that I did not hate Rise of the Machines. I, I was laughing a lot. <laughs> it, but, you know, I wasn't even laughing at the movie. I was laughing with the movie when the movie wanted me to laugh. Like, the stuff that made me cringe so much when I watched it in theaters, the only other time I've seen it... Uh, I was just... I think because I already knew what to expect. And I was going in knowing that, oh, yeah, okay, starting here, the Terminator franchise just stopped. You know, it doesn't really take itself seriously. It's not trying to to make a whole lot of sense. I think Salvation tries to go back to being a serious franchise. But, you know, Rise of the Machines and, and uh, Genesis, I think they're on the same level to where, you know, you kind of have to give them a pass on a lot of stuff just because it's entertaining to watch, you know, this kind of stuff happens. So... You know that moment where Determinatrix uh, reveals herself uh, when she could have just killed uh, Claire Danes. Mm. I was like, that's really dumb, but but I can I can give it a pass. You know the Determinatrix like giving herself boobs. I was like, that's really dumb, but oh my god, it, it
1: fucking works. <laughs> it, she looks like she's a woman that's tra- like she's a female exoskeleton that's like transported, and she looks up at that billboard, and that's apparently what we perceive as beauty. So she does that. Right. And it works because it tricks the officer.
0: I know, but it's still really dumb. <laughs> I'm not saying it's not dumb. I mean, when yeah. you when you look at this movie as the sequel to T Two, it's like, what the hell? You know, well, you there's mean,
1: a good twelve years in between there. Mm-hmm. So, right, but yeah. still, like
0: can you imagine a scene where no. I, yeah, I exactly. know, yeah. In T Two, yeah. you wouldn't put that. So there's There's, there's also a, a very... reason
1: that T Two is like arguably the greatest movie ever made and T <laughs> three is just a movie I like. <laughs> right,
0: but that's but the reason I used to not like it and the reason why I don't think it's better, why I, wouldn't, why I still rank it last, even though I like it more now, it's just that as a sequel to T2, as a Terminator movie, it's kind of really silly, yeah, but so as so. a movie that I could watch on its own, it's a good romp. Like, it's I definitely laughed. of its I, time.
1: It's uh, that, like I was telling you earlier, that turn of the millennium, be sure to emasculate your overly masculine characters <laughs> and, you know... uh, over-sexualize your female characters. I'm not kidding. The ending is obviously what makes it for me. Yeah. And what I said in Contrarian's Corner is true. Without uh, Claire Danes, that movie is Mm. off the rails more so than it actually is. She's so... She's just such a good actress that, like, she just pulls it together so well.
0: I think Nick Stahl is really good, too. He uh,
1: is, too. And, you know, give him his props. To, uh, to be
0: fair, they give him a more interesting character than Claire Danes. So Claire Danes gets more props because she doesn't have much to play with. <laughs> yeah. And she still makes an impression. Well, Nick
1: Stahl, it, it, you know, we're in the middle, so it's as good a time as any. It's that very odd legacy that the Terminator franchise has. You got Michael Bain, Edward Furlong, Nicholas Stahl, Sam Worthington. And then you have uh, both Jai Courtney and Jason Clark, these domineering males that were, uh, at least in respective times, pegged to be the next big thing. And they are in this franchise Mm -hmm. that's like, you know, just kind of a hair under Star Wars in terms of international imprint and cultural footprint. And they really go on to do nothing. And it's uh, it's a really fascinating thing to take away from the franchise.
0: Like I told you over Texas, like uh, Sam Wharton has three Avatar movies coming out. Oh (laughs) yeah, if if
1: that's the case, God (laughs) bless him. I don't know. We'll see how how he shows up, but yeah, uh, Rise of the Machines may just, I guess, forever be one of those, uh, I guess, guilty pleasures would be the right way to put it. But I'm glad you took something away from it. And Chaz will will just never need to speak about
2: it again. But I think even,
0: even Chaz, with all his reservations, I would say you probably had an okay time watching it. <laughs> I anticipated having a terrible time. Yeah,
2: I mean, look, the crane sequence, the crane car chase is phenomenal. You could have felt that was straight out of Terminator 1 or Terminator 2. The idea that Sarah Connor's coffin is full of guns. Like, <laughs> there are some great moments in there. I mean, John Connor putting the gun to his head and saying fuck my destiny yeah. because he's a different John Connor is like a really powerful moment. You know, there's like with all, as I said, with all the non-Cameron Terminator films, they've got some great ideas that just never seem to coalesce into something as powerful as the first two movies.
1: Well, with that being said, we'll get to the the feature, the, the fucking show here <laughs> with uh, Terminator 2 and...
2: Okay, that's good, that's good, um... Up I'll up fly, i <laughs> Too
4: slow. <laughs> no, I'm just kidding! Let's try it one more time.
3: Good, now try it, now try good. Now do me. Give me a fly. Watching John with the machine, it was suddenly so clear.
2: The Terminator would never stop. It would never leave him. And it would never hurt him never shouted him or get drunk and hit him
3: or say it was too busy to spend time with him it would always be there and it would die to protect him of all the would-be fathers who came and went over the years this thing this machine was the only one who measured up in an insane world it was the sanest choice
1: Uh, i'll just start with this one i don't know if i've been alive uh for something you know because i wasn't around for the first star wars and things like that Uh, the amount of things i've lived through that have had as much of a cultural resonance as terminator 2 are the list is very short and my love of this movie is it's one of those things that always clouds my judgment when I joke about it being like one of the greatest movies ever. I honestly can't decipher if that's true or if it's just like the attachment I have to it, but like I have it pulled up right now. The Wikipedia page for it has the original theatrical poster with that, that, uh, cold blue, steel tone on uh, Arnold on, with the shotgun on the motorcycle and the, the radar red Schwarzenegger at the top. That's all it says. There are a few things that can like transport me back to a period of time as much as that. And I was a little kid. And like I said, it was the first R-rated movie I got to see. Uh, but there's just so much, so many like iconic moments in this film and so much that surrounds it that I just – I consider myself blessed to have like lived (laughs) through this movie being released and what it held on not just American pop culture, but a a global presence. There's not much more I can say positive about it. I will say Edward Furlong's delivery is at times (laughs) questionable, but it's one of those movies like I finished it this morning and I I still got misty eyed at the end when he had to be lowered into the vat of lava. So much. Yeah, it's there's not many movies we'll ever talk about on this podcast that I can get as emotional speaking about just from a standpoint of how well it's made, but also how much it resonated with like my period of living, because it's, I mean, even still the amount of movies that have had an imprint on pop culture as heavy as this, there's not, there's not too many more. And it's, uh, it's, it's so weird that it's part of a franchise. Cause you would think it's like one movie that, just stood alone like a Forrest Gump type that just kind of it's this one movie that had this massive global impact but no it's kind of like the first Star Wars there's these other movies and some of them are good some of them are bad and (laughs) you know and the fact that it's the
2: second one in the franchise yeah as you can see I'm tripping over my own words talking about this for (laughs) Christ's sake so Mm -hmm. I know that Julio and I differ on on this movie so I'm actually with you Alex so I think I may have seen the second one first. I would have seen it on VHS uh, at a friend's house. Um I think I saw it first and I on rewatching, I got to see the double bill T1 T2 in IMAX and the movie has not dated a second. It is breathtakingly beautiful. It is like the action is incredible. And the fact that it manages to give a hugely satisfying emotional journey to John Connor, like you see him fall in love with a machine that then has to die. And also you see Sarah Connor regain her humanity to be a mother to John. James Cameron did not have to make as good a sequel exactly. as he did here. Exactly. <laughs> right?
1: It's it's so much fucking better than it needed to be. That's the, It goes above and beyond what it needed to be.
0: Yes, but did it need to be? <laughs> and that is my... And see, I know that that's my problem. Like, that's not the movie necessarily. That's me. Get out. <laughs> because and I had I, I had a similar problem just recently with uh, Toy Story 4, right? I, I watched Toy Story 4, and objectively, I know it's a good movie. It's it's a good movie. It has emotional moments. It's, it's funny. It's It's even like a good Toy Story movie. But I can't help but resent it because to me... The ending of Toy Story 3 is where it should end. I was like, you can make a good movie after Toy Story 3, but you're kind of diminishing the impact of Toy Story 3's ending. Because now you're like, oh, but there's more to the story. I was like, okay, that's cool. And what you did is good enough. But it was better if it ended with Toy Story 3. So I can't help but feel that way about T2. And that's, like I said, a little unfair. But I'll still, I mean, I'll acknowledge that it's like really well made and for the most part, really well acted. And it has like all those great iconic moments. But to me, the story is better if it ends at the end of Terminator 1. Because uh, mainly, and this is wrong, but fair. Well, and this is, you could accuse me of overthinking, but I really do believe what I I said in Concerns Corner, which is that. When once you open the kind of worms of like, oh, we're just gonna keep sending Terminators back, yeah. <laughs> that just kind of like hmm. that's too much for me. I, I can buy the one paradox, you know, of John Connor being alive before uh Kyle Reese went back.
2: I'm interested, I can't wait to hear you guys on Dark Fate because I feel like Dark Fate fixes that problem.
0: Um, I think it does somewhat, and then it has different problems.
1: <laughs> um. I was just gonna say real quick to go back a few steps because Chaz pointed it out about uh how John Connor like looks to Arnold and the, the you know, the T one hundred is like a father figure. That's uh I was waiting for this portion to revert back to T three. One of my favorite lines in that movie is when John Connor tells Arnold, You're the closest thing to a father I've ever had, and how mm-hmm. sad is that. Like I, I thought that's a really great line that plays off of their dynamic here. And then also for no other reason that I just want to shoehorn in my own story because I talk so much about watching this as a kid. <laughs> yeah. um, as an adult, one of the things I've grown to love the most is Dyson's redemption uh-huh. where he realizes like what's going to happen and then he sacrifices himself. But as a kid, the part where Arnold cuts his arm off to show him what he's going to become, uh-huh. I remember the first time I saw it, I ran and hid behind the couch in my living room. <laughs> it scared me so bad. like I, I didn't know what was going on. Uh, and I think – Yeah, Chaz, again, hit the nail on the head about all of these characters and emotions that intertwine, like, there's no reason it had to be this. The sequel could have just been T3, like, in terms of, like, trying to just be light and fun and funny and, you know, cleavage and shit like that. But (laughs) instead, James Cameron was just like, well, they gave me $100 million, might as well make the greatest movie ever made.
0: I think to round up my negatives and again this is with a huge disclaimer i still think this is a great movie and it's better than all the other sequels i mean it's my number 2 but i do every time i've watched it i felt the runtime and not even because i was watching the extended edition this last time to me even though it looks awesome and it like the special effects are great and you know kind of the the beats where you think that arnold is dead and he's not whatever that the last big Set piece in the factory is just too much. Ugh. I I wish I wish no. Ugh. I wish it was over. I wish it was over uh, with the when he gets frozen by the liquid and nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen. Liquid nitrogen yeah, me. and then gets shot and and then that's it. No, yeah. I I know it's awesome. I know what happens is awesome. No. I, I know what happens is awesome after, but but it's just so long. <laughs> I, I'm just like worn out. Opinion by that,
2: fail, now. Julio. Opinion fail. Yes,
0: <laughs> it's. I, you know, if you could, or if you could have that final sequence, but then remove something else. I'm just kind of like but then action it comes out. up on
1: that giant gear with the gun and like the big rev- yeah. right.
0: I mean, I don't have anything against the execution itself. I'm just like the take the, the L and go home, Julio. The effect of just like it's just too. How much is too much? Too much is T <laughs> <Like> two. <the, laughs> just like too many set pieces over and over. It, I, I was just ready for it to be T two.
1: We're like, 2T, too much.
0: (laughs) Uh, And then, of course, maybe it wouldn't bother me as much if you didn't have Edward Furlong. And so I guess we're all agreed that Edward Furlong is the weak link in T2. He has moments. but Yeah, he has moments. But but he also, he made me cringe so much on this rewatch. Just, you know, they they saddle him with a lot of really, really, Corny dialogue and and really cheesy moments. Um, I I just don't know it. He graded on me in a way that he hadn't before, and I, so that's kind of like why I was it, it, like this movie T two never made me laugh, and I think that's one of the reasons why T three worked better for me because I was at least just laughing on that one.
1: <laughs> you need to have a gaggle of some sort.
0: Uh, but but everything else, I mean, it works really well. Did you guys do you guys remember? how you felt the first time you watched it with the switcheroo because, uh, you know, so great. The fact that, you know, Arnold is actually sent back to protect him and Robert Patrick is Mm. the bad guy. Well,
1: I had seen this years before I ever saw the first one. So like, this was what I knew.
0: So, so you didn't have the preconception that Arnold was going to kill him. No,
1: I didn't see the first one until I was probably in my teens. Like, so this is what I knew. Arnold was the good guy. Okay. And so, like, rewatching it years later after I saw the original, it makes that shot of uh, Linda Hamilton running away, and then when she sees Arnold and, like, slams the brakes on and starts freaking out, that, uh-huh. that makes that shot so good.
2: Um, but, yeah, I, I mean... Uh, but also, in the corridor with the roses, and you're not sure which one's there to rescue John. Well, in fact, as Julio says, you think that... um, Lord Patrick. The T. Tea- T one thousand, Robert Patrick is there to save John, and that Arnold's there to kill him. Yeah, it's yeah. so great. Yes, that moment.
0: Yeah, I remember thinking uh, the first time I watched it, and then you know, I guess later on, not re rewatching it yet, like I was I always felt like maybe it was my mistake that I was supposed to have picked up right away that Robert Patrick was a bad guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, especially like rewatching it this last time, I was like, no, it's very clearly constructed to. To play on your knowledge of Terminator One and just you know mess with your head. Uh, I think the only other thing <laughs> is the moment where that fucking I don't know is he like a nurse or what the guy that licks Linda Hamilton's oh, cheek. Oh God! <laughs> what the mm-hmm. fuck is with that moment? Cat. I mean, is that Harvey Weinstein that played that character? <laughs> <laughs> it just I've always remember it, and again, it's one of those things where in my mind I'm thinking. Yeah, I'm sure that pays off later on. I mean, it pays off in the sense that she beats the shit out of him later and we don't feel bad about it, but I don't know. It, it, it feels like a weird moment in the movie that uh, doesn't really go that way very often or at all.
2: Yeah, it's where James Cameron's, I think, view of women does... Look, he has created Sarah Connor in Terminator 2 and Ripley in Aliens, two of the strongest action women characters of all time. So I don't want to take away from his bona fides there. But he still sees them through a very masculine lens. And I think that licking scene is one of them.
0: Yeah. I I, I mean, that is probably the best explanation any of us can come up with. <laughs> doesn't
1: she beat the shit out of him, though? Like, right. Yeah. But
0: that's what I'm saying. Like, is, is, is that just It's still, still the, just kind of weird. It's right, like, I mean, it, like, like, it doesn't
1: it, tie up any end.
0: Right. It's like, if you're establishing this guy as a perv... Uh, you know, is it somebody that sexually assaults patients? Is it somebody that's just obsessed with her? I just feel like you can't just throw away the image of some dude licking, uh, restrained Sarah Connor, unconscious Sarah Connor, yeah, and then have it just. The only payoff is that she beats him up later. You know, yeah. it it it's just weird, and it really stood out this time when I watched it.
1: Still, classic all timer.
0: It, it deserves every every accolade and every bit of praise that people give it. Uh, the only moment where I just, I'll go, pump the brakes, is when people say that it's the best out of all of them.
2: Wow. <laughs> but that's where you're
1: wrong, Julio. <laughs> that is where you're wrong. So, then, bringing us to what started all this, arguably one of the most important slash influential movies ever made. And I do maintain I feel it's a horror movie. The original Terminator...
4: Cyborgs don't feel pain, I do, don't do that again. Just let me go. Listen, and understand, that Terminator is out there. It can't be bargained with, it can't be reasoned with. It doesn't feel pity, or remorse, or fear, and it absolutely will not stop, ever. Until you are dead.
1: Uh, I've said it before. Top five movie of all time for me. I, uh, you know, I, I put over T two to no end, but the Terminator is one of my top five movies of all time. I think uh, one of the most perfect casting decisions in the history of film is Arnold Schwarzenegger as the Terminator. I, I feel it's just a perfect. Uh, you know, stars align type thing. And I think it was a star making performance for both Linda Hamilton and Michael Bane. Uh, unfortunately, Michael Bain never really was able to capitalize on that. I know he had roles here and there, um, but aliens. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, but it felt like he should have had that uh, Bruce Willis, Arnold, Sylvester Stallone type career where there was like more in the chamber than just aliens and Terminator. But that all being said, it's perfect. There's nothing about this movie aside from like we joked about dated visual effects that I could really harp on this movie about. I think it's a a perfect film.
0: When you're when you're under its spell, you don't really care about the special effects. Exactly, and it just works great. And
1: I do love the uh, yeah. "fuck you, asshole." His like possible responses. <laughs> I don't know why that'll that'll always <laughs> make me <laughs> laugh. But uh, yeah, I, I mean this. I don't know what more I can say about it. It's like one of my top five movies I've ever seen in my life. So, as I mentioned previously, my ranking goes sequentially. It's one,
2: two, three, four, five. Um, but See, yeah. so
0: you do agree with me? What I have, I have one at number 1 So you one. think
2: this one's better than Terminator 2. So, okay,
1: it's that weird thing where personally I think it's better, uh, but T2, like I said, if someone called that the greatest movie ever made, I would not argue with them or the greatest action movie of all time or some something hyperbolic like that, I would not argue with them. But for me personally, the first one is my favorite.
0: You just don't think it's a better movie than T2 objectively.
1: It's it's so weird cuz I'm just like <laughs> <laughs> to me, it, here here's T one and T two. Well, it's one of my favorite movies ever made, and then on the other hand, it's like, well, it's like the best action movie ever. <laughs> there there's no rhyme or reason to my ranking on this, but uh, if I if someone said you can only have one of them for the rest of your life, I'd say the first one.
0: It's it's as clear as uh, James Cameron's time travel rules. Hmm? But,
1: uh, his time travel rules are clear. It's
2: when you got all those <laughs> other fuckers in the kitchen that started muddling everything. So I'm the only one who has uh, this one as my second.
0: Yes, you asshole.
2: Fuck you, asshole.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Okay, at this point, uh, Skynet traveled back in time and changed the past, and suddenly we lost Alex. Uh, Eventually, we got him back, as you'll hear later on in the episode, but for a while we didn't have him, and you know what? Chaz and I just kept going because we still had some Terminator talk to get through. All right, Chess. do you want to go first? Or do you want me to go first?
2: Uh, I feel like we should end with you because you're going to circle back around to agree with Alex in terms of it being number one. But I just want to make the interesting observation that whether it's true or not, I feel that Alex actually is doesn't align with this theory. But I thought that everyone who saw Terminator 1 and then Terminator 2 prefers the first one. And I think... It's nearly all down to what we said in Contrarian's Corner about how it it kind of undoes the power of how perfect the first one is as a standalone movie by opening the time travel box again. But I saw Terminator 2 first, and then also when people watched Terminator 1 in 1984, it was, you know, groundbreakingly unbelievable, especially on the budget that they had you know and it and alex is right it is a horror movie um it, i and it and it's so tight and so perfect but to me it's just not as emotionally powerful as terminator 2 and because i saw terminator 2 first i don't have that sense of betrayal of the time travel rules of the first one and yeah i think just because terminator 2 has so much heart in it that Terminator 1 doesn't. Terminator 1's equivalent of heart is that cheesy 80s Skinamax <laughs> scene.
0: And I think so. I mean, I, I I think there's a little more heart towards the end, but it's, it's a different kind of sentimentality. Uh, or rather, there's no sentimentality in the way that there's sentimentality in T2. Because uh, I had the same theory, you know, about what it's like to watch them in order or to watch T2 first. It's... Uh, I, I think it goes beyond the time travel rules though. I think that there's also uh maybe, you know, like you just said the the fact that the, there's more emotion in in T2, but to me it also comes back to uh what I was saying when we were talking about T2 which is the runtime. Mm-hmm. Terminator 1 feels pretty tight to me. Just it's just like lean. Oh, so lean. Yeah, it's yeah. lean. It moves fast. It's just and and T2 feels bloated and but most of the things that are making it bloated are really good so you know you would have a hard time cutting something out but the fact is you know you don't need those action sequences to be that long they're great and and, and they're a blast but to me it's a little bit of a uh, it's more of an investment and yeah you know it pays off but terminator one is just i think it gets the job done a lot more efficiently uh, and and i think that's also something else you know uh that might come from having watched it first. If I if my first Terminator experience was Terminator 2, maybe I would feel like Terminator 1 is kind of a little too bare bones. But to me, you know, when I think Terminator, I think, you know, the harsh sci-fi and that it's just like really short, which is funny because really I, I was really young when I watched the first Terminator. It was on TV and uh, it was playing while I was like, I don't know, I was hanging out with my mom and my brother, and I know what I remember the most besides really liking it is that when the the Cinemax scene came on, she was like, don't look up. (laughs) And we're just like looking down until the the sex scene was over. And then we looked up, and I was like, all right. But (laughs) I really like what it does with uh, just a very basic concept that it has, you know, that's, you know, not just that the runtime is tight, but also that the just the the idea is pretty straightforward. T2 complicates it with a lot of like good stuff. You know, the, the, the subplot with Dyson and, the, you know, it kind of like you get to see more in T2 of how we got to the point where the machines how we uh, were architects of our own destruction. Yeah. But I like that T1 leaves so much to your imagination. You know, you get just those little bits of flashbacks and dreams that Kyle Reese has, but for the most part it's just, you're just Taking his description of this world and then running crazy with it in your mind, and that to me is a lot more effective than everything else that, co- that happens later in the in the franchise. At the same time, you know, obviously, I like Salvation because it finally picked up for where my imag- imagination went and I, you know, went crazy uh, in its own way. But yeah. but the idea that you know Terminator as a movie was able to inspire so much in my mind, uh, you, you know, just being like ninety minutes or. 100 minutes or whatever um, with as little in the way of special effects as it does compared to the rest of the franchise uh, with uh, a cast that's as pared down as it is compared to the rest of the franchise it's to me it's just it's pretty much a perfect movie and it should you know you can't beat that ending Mm. that's the thing if your final shot is Sarah Connor in her truck and she looks at the clouds and she says yes a storm is coming that's that ending is better than the thumbs up at the
2: end of T2 even Whoa. better than
0: the yeah it's, it's
2: it look I, I i can i can get that argument that it's uh intellectually a better ending but i'm not crying whereas in T2 i am bawling my eyes out as he's watching his father <laughs> self sacrifice to save I think
0: that you end. don't cry at the end of Terminator 1 but you are filled with dread uh and and i think that I mean, I, dude, I cry at the movies a lot and I can value you. Star ratings go up by one star if the movie made me cry sometimes. But, uh, <laughs> but in the case of T2, the existential dread of knowing that something bad is happening and you're just bracing yourself for it and you just have to kind of talk yourself into facing it. I mean, all that is, I find it really powerful, especially when it's done so efficiently. Hmm. You know, I guess that's, that's the thing. I, I, I think I said it on my, Letterboxd Review for T Two, the most recent one. I think that to me, when I think Terminator, I think cool, hard sci-fi, but not necessarily spectacle. Which is another reason why T Two doesn't win me over as much. And it might be because I watched it first. I think that a lot of people that love T Two and they prefer it over T One, well, they have a spectacle as one of the the things that one of the elements that really wins them over. And I mean, that's a valid argument. It just doesn't work for me. I'm assuming that you, one of the reasons why you love T2 is not just the emotion, but also just all the set pieces.
2: Oh, I, I love the set pieces, but I'm, I love them so much, but it is really the heart that makes it above T1 for me. And maybe that's because as a movie goer, I like having my heartstrings plucked. I like that the T2 doesn't say this has to be uh, either a huge action movie or it has to be hard sci-fi or it has to be a family drama it combines all those things like one of the things that you know we we, we laugh about the chicken and egg of carl reese being john connor's father but what the clever thing about t2 is they repl- they repeat the chicken and egg with the terminator they say not only does carl going back in time create john connor but the terminator going back in time creates skynet yes like they double down on the paradox. Yes,
0: and that drives me crazy. <laughs> I try not to think about it, but <laughs> I I remember even the first time I watched it just kind of thinking, yeah, but then how does this, how does it look like on a linear uh, display? And of course, it's just, it's it's impossible. Yeah, you can't do that. Yeah, it, it, which is fine. You know, I, I, I'm willing, more than happy to admit that a lot of my problems with T2 just come from just what I appreciate in the story and what I don't. Which is funny because you know I I know that you've made the argument in other movies that they're making you think too much and that's why you can't connect emotionally and in this case I'm the one that's having that problem where I I'm I'm trying to think through the time travel a little too much and maybe that's also keeping me uh, at bay from all from all the emotional stuff but yeah I I love it it's and I love it more every time I watch it I think that there was a time where I wasn't sure about. The sex scene, this last rewatch, I'm like, it works. It, You know, in context, mm-hmm. I kind of have to look mm-hmm. at it the way that you look at the special effects. It's like, it's dated, but mm-hmm. you're just happy to see them have a moment. I really, like, the, the the sex scene is really cheesy, but I really like that moment after when Kyle Reese smiles for the only, mm. <laughs> like, it's only time smiling in the movie. Like, mm. they both let their guard down for, like, five seconds, yeah. and it's really nice to see and then, you know, things get ugly again. But, I mean, you could argue it's a little more dated compared to T2. Actually, no, I won't say that because the dialogue in T2 is all worse. Uh, mm-hmm. But it's still, you know, it's... To me, just five-star, masterpiece, great movie. What what would you rate it?
2: I think I did give it four and a half stars and gave T2 five. If I go back back to my letterboxed reviews. But it, it's number two in the ranking.
0: So you have Terminator, T2... Uh, Salvation, Rise of the Machines, and Genesis,
2: with Dark Fate to be announced <laughs> somewhere in the middle. Yeah, Genesis is the only one I actively dislike.
0: So that's pretty much where the conversation ended that day. However, we still had unfinished business, Alex and I, regarding the most recent Terminator movie. So, in true franchise style, uh, much like Sam Worthington Terminator Salvation. Let's jump into the future. All right. Recording the last part of our Terminator. Massive retrospective. Very large. So it's been a few days since uh, we finished recording with Chaz. Yes. As promised, Alex went off and watched Dark Fate on his own. I did. And now he has opinions <laughs> that he can share with us. I do. Uh But thankfully, Chaz pre-recorded his own opinions, his real talk about Dark Fate. So we're going to play that here first, and that way Alex can react to it, and we can just finish the real talk part of that.
2: Okay, Dark Fate. I loved it, and I'm really, really fucking sad that it bombed at the box office. I do have some issues with it. It almost, like, Genesis-style tries to cram way too much in there. But... I love, like, and and also, I mean, they fridge John Connor, you know, (laughs) Um, and look, it does have its shortcomings. I I feel like the main, the the object that needs rescuing, again, like John Connor in Salvation, she does not feel like she's going to lead the resistance or inspire anyone. I don't know whether it was how she was written or the future flashback scenes just don't work for me. But look, I love the Terminator. I love um, Mackenzie as the human coming back to rescue them. I love Sarah Connor. I love- Arnie's arc in the film is amazing. Like, Sarah Connor's arc to recognize that a machine is capable of change, of defeating its programming when it is the machine that killed John, is incredible. I just hate that they threw it away in an action- Yep. Set piece where she says his name that he's given himself, like, it's right in the middle of this huge, like, you blink and you miss it. And so there's, again, so much good stuff in there that I feel th- they just tried to bite off too much. They tried to serve as Sarah and uh, Arnie as the Terminator and Mackenzie as the rescuer from the future and- Uh, god what's the name of the character of the person that's being sent back to rescue is Uh, it Maria?
0: no I'm not sure I I was trying to think of it I don't remember the name of the actress or the character but she gets an arc too
2: (laughs) yeah and and I don't believe her arc but it felt uh, the closest to me it's my number three I, I really really enjoyed it all right So,
0: Alex Mattis, you watched Dark Fate. Yes. You experienced it knowing very little about it.
1: Yes. Well, I knew it was a Terminator movie.
0: And and you have the big reveal spoiled by the trailer and all the promotional material.
1: (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, um, when we recorded with Chaz last weekend, I had not seen it yet, but in watching all the Terminator movies for that episode and then also just discussion, I decided like halfway through recording, I was like, no, I want to watch this. So, I had to... Like off air, tell y'all. No, I don't want to talk about this now because I want to watch it. But you know, as fate worked out, I had to step out and uh, head out after we talked about the first Terminator. So y'all got to have that little discussion there. And in the meantime, I got to watch uh, Terminator: Dark Fate, which got to do since we're concluding all this. I have to do the proper rundown. Yes, uh, which was released on November first, twenty nineteen. Which might be the quickest turnaround that we've covered a movie on here. I know we've talked about movies and plugs, but actually. Making it a part of the episode, it might be the quickest turnaround. Uh, budget of 185 million, and that worldwide uh, return on, in the box office was uh, 261 uh, million. Which, as Chaz mentioned at the beginning of his breakdown, it definitely bombed. Which, yeah, that that's almost 200 million less than Genesis made. People got their feelings hurt with Genesis, man. There's no coming around. Uh, Dark, but
0: there's so little about this movie that that says Genesis. You know, you have mm-hmm. Arnold. That's it. There's no other. Genesis
1: was so bad, they had to reboot the entire thing. (laughs) It was the Amazing Spider-Man 2 of its (laughs) franchise. Uh, I'm now bummed that I can't bend time as though I were a T-800 or a T-1000 in that I wish I had Chaz to to boo and hiss at. (laughs) Dark Fate is fine. Uh, The first three Terminators are still the three best, and then there is a wide chasm before we get to Dark Fate. Um, Dark Fate's better than Salvation, and it's better than Genesis. I will say that about it.
0: I mean, you're wrong, but you can say it.
1: (laughs) Um, I'll tell you how much... It had me questioning if it was better than Salvation, though, by the end. (laughs) But the opening is awesome.
0: You texted me.
1: Yeah. (laughs) I was happy that wasn't spoiled because I was like, holy shit, what? <laughs> um, amazing CG. Yep. With uh, young Linda Hamilton and Edward Furlong. Um, and obviously, if your movie, if the goal of your movie is to say this picks up right after two left off, there is literally no better way than Edward <laughs> Furlong getting gunned down in the opening of the movie. <laughs> like I said, um, I. three is great. So I still acknowledge that. Um, And I I don't like the idea of us doing away with that with this. Like I texted you and we talked about tying this into our Avengers discussion when we talked about civil war and that one thing you had always said was that it would have been so much more powerful had they not put in the trailer that Spider-Man shows up. Yeah. This would have worked so much better if they didn't mention that Arnold was in it. Do
0: you think you would have figured it out?
1: Uh possibly. You know, it's one of those things you can't put the toothpaste back in the tube, so there's no <laughs> way of knowing. But even if I had been like, "Oh man, it's going to be Arnold." <laughs> it still would have been cool if it was Arnold. Yeah, because my thought at this point is I don't know, and especially doing the numbers that it did, I don't know how many people went to see it just because Arnold was in it and I don't know I don't know even more so if you could make the argument if you couldn't make the argument that it could have potentially helped if you didn't advertise Arnold was in it but then like word of mouth got out
0: right and like, people want to go see if it's true
1: yeah like um, I remember with Zombieland Bill Murray's cameo was a big thing like that uh-huh. like I remember reading about people thought that helped it but uh, Tim Miller he did Deadpool if I'm not mistaken yes right? okay. the first one and written by old David Goyer. Um, it's fine. It, it's it's too long. It uh, And, you know, we talked about this ad nauseum during the initial recording. Like, Terminator 2's, you know, over two hours long, but never feels it with this. It's just like there's only so many ridiculous action set pieces you can do. Like, Terminator 2's two hours, but it also has the entire side plot of fucking Dyson, where you have to go to this, like... Uh, factory and find all this. With this, it's just like...
0: They're just running away. They're running
1: away from this uh, Terminator. um, Terminator. (laughs) El Terminator.
0: Exterminador.
1: (laughs) Exterminador. the actor that played him, I, I didn't. I'm not sure if I caught his name, but uh, I really enjoyed actually his portrayal of it. Uh, Gabriel, he was very
0: uh, Robert Patrick esque.
1: Yes, yeah, yeah, I really liked it. Gabriel Luna is his name, um, and then the the girls involved: Mackenzie Davis and Natalia Reyes, um, and of course Linda Hamilton. It's it's all fine.
0: It, I I'm a big fan of Mackenzie Davis. I mean, from before this movie, I. Every movie I've seen her in, I've loved her, even regardless of the quality of the movie. So, to me, the biggest draw, even beyond seeing Linda Hamilton again, Mm -hmm. was just I want to see what Mackenzie Davis does in an action movie. And because the trailer, a big part of the trailer was her facing off against a new Terminator, and she looked badass. I was like, I want to see where this goes. Uh, I, I mean, she does well. What
1: annoyed me a lot of it because like it seems like Chaz is not the only person. Uh, my friend Justin um, on Twitter when we did like our when I announced it and I was like, "Hey, what's your favorite?" He like sent me his ranking of them, and um, he said he also had Dark Fate as his third in ranking. And one of the things that annoys me about this is that it takes a lot of the ideas from three and just kind of shines them a little bit differently and spins them as their own. And like uh, I, I don't like that.
0: Well, it takes a lot of the ideas from all the other ones, too, because basically, you know, the, the the idea that it's not Skynet anymore, it's just something else. I mean, that's Genesis. Yeah. You know, I mean, it was still Skynet, but basically they rebranded, and this is the same thing, you know. Oh, Judgment Day being postponed, and Skynet morphing into a different kind of threat. To me, and that's my main problem. It doesn't have
1: to be John s- Connor. Someone will lead a resistance. It's,
0: it's all just so familiar. What,
1: what it is, is it's basically, it takes all the, like... Again, okay, I think three is great, but for the sake of argument, I will say it takes all the quote unquote good things from three salvation and Genesis, incorporates it into that, and tries to put like a new pa- uh, coat of paint on it. And you hit the nail on the head. There's nothing in this that feels like, whoa, this right. is other like than new.
0: the gender swap. Yeah. Gender slash, you know, race. It's like, oh, and now it's set in Mexico and the savior is a Mexican girl. Cool. It's like, but. But it doesn't really have much of an effect other than at some point they have to cross the border.
1: <laughs> that w- When I was watching it, I was like, so was the only purpose of it being in Mexico to be that the Terminator is Mexican? And then I was like, well, no, I guess not because I had to get to Laredo or wherever <laughs> Arnold was. But, um, but, also but so then it makes sense have- because Linda Hamilton's like hiding. So Right. Like, yeah.
0: But it's... I don't mind it, but I also wish that okay, if you're gonna go that way, if this is how you're gonna make this movie stand out, then dig a little deeper and just yes. like make it because really. Because it's so surface Mexican. level. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's the <a> mariachi terminator. <laughs> Jesus.
1: Yeah, it's um it's all very surface level. And again, like we were talking about, um is this coming out before or after ever after? Before. Okay. So as we will discuss in our ever after <laughs> episode I'm not going to be the person to sit here and bitch and be like, oh, it's just about shoehorning women and minorities into this franchise, because cool, they should, That that's fine to share the, you know, the screen time and the, the franchise with women, minorities, people underrepresented in film, things like that. For me, though, it just it was really surface level, and it was just really easy to tell what they were just trying to execute.
0: The problem is that, yeah, there's so much that's familiar that the new stuff, that's the stuff that you scrutinize. So yeah. what's new? Oh, well, that now it's, it's a Mexican girl. That's the savior. Yeah. So you, okay, so what, how is that different? Oh, it's not. <laughs> <laughs>
1: it's exactly the same. And, you know, you want to talk about, um, to be fair, Natalie Reyes is actually a uh, Colombian.
0: But it's set in Mexico, isn't it?
1: No, it is, yeah. Oh, okay. I, no, it, it is. It's, it's like, like you have second guessing. No, 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 no. She's supposed to be portrayed as Mexican, but... Can't I Can not imagine I,
0: if it was set in Colombia, like, the really long road trip they had to take?
1: <laughs> they just hit the water and it turns into, like, one of those aquatic vehicles. Um, and then just to make sure... Okay, Gabriel Luna is uh, Mexican-American, so... But yeah, they're, they're both supposed to be presented as Mexicans.
0: Mm. So there's something that Chaz says that I agree with, Mm -hmm. the main thing, and that is that there's so many potential story arcs that don't get serviced properly. And I agree because I could see a very interesting movie that's just all about Sarah Connor. Mm -hmm. The, The Sarah Connor that we see here, the Sarah Connor that's being... Getting these weird text messages and showing up and killing Terminators. And that's just has to cope with the failure. For John. Yeah. So all that stuff, that sounds awesome. And it's just window dressing. Yeah. You know, it it doesn't really get addressed. I want to know more about this Sarah Connor. I want to see her do more stuff. And it just doesn't really... She's just mostly in the background. Uh, Oh yeah, even the 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 Arnold thing. I was not a fan of what they did with Arnold Schwarzenegger here. He's just he's mostly comic relief, and it bothered me to no end. Dude,
1: okay, you you took the words out of my mouth. My train of thought got derailed, and then I got back on it, and you were on the same train. Uh, You wrongly uh, (laughs) criticized the comedy in three and said it didn't work. The part in this when he's like if you're going to put your phone in potato chips, put your phone in potato chips. And I was just like, for fuck's sake.
0: That's not even the worst. Just no, like, it's be- not.
1: It like, Okay, so one of the fan theories I heard when this movie was coming out, because when I saw this trailer, I, I think it was you, I immediately texted, why does Arnold have a beard? <laughs> one of the fan theories I had uh, heard postulated was that the T-800, or the original Terminator, was based off a human model
0: oh and this is the they they were
1: actually gonna find like the human it was based off of and i was like
0: that would have been much cooler
1: (laughs) that i was like that's very interesting i have no idea how that would have paid off the story or anything but that would be really fucking fascinating and with this when it's just like he's just a robot that grows old and like has a family and then
0: but but there is okay i I will give this to the movie and to chas it's a good idea. It's just that it's poorly executed because it's just played for laughs mostly. But the idea that there was a Terminator that achieved his objective and then with nothing to do...
1: Just moves into the, <laughs> the woods? Moves
0: into the woods and kind of becomes human, like gross. It is a fair extrapolation of the end of T2. Yeah. You know, where Arnold was learning in T2 and then, you know, he died. But if he hadn't died, how much more human could he have gotten? So...
1: so- the T2 happens, and then it's just a different T-800 that comes and kills John Connor.
0: Right. Yeah. I like that idea, too. It makes about as much sense as most of the time travel and Skynet plans in the franchise. The idea that they didn't just send one Terminator. They send a lot of Terminators all at once to different points in the timeline. <laughs> <laughs> one of these will, will catch him. One of these will get him. And so they get him. They get Connor. And then he just kind of wanders the wasteland (laughs) and then i guess walks out of the beach into the woods meets a woman develops feelings
1: yeah and it's uh i think Chaz kind of touched on it or he did the whole arc with linda hamilton and the the terminator how she like shoots it and then he's like this will be hard to explain to you know whatever his (laughs) wife's name is and then well the main thing is he tries to act like he's found purpose in his existence through this family. And then he's just so quick to be like, all right, I got to go. And it,
0: I think that that lands better. If you've devoted more time to it, either because you've spent more time with Arnold with this entire story, you know, or, or if there's not so much funny in quotation marks shit happening before their big goodbye, because the idea again, is a pointed idea that this guy has been living with them and he's told him one day, it's going to catch up with me and yeah. you have to be ready to go when that happens on paper. That's awesome. But the way execute it again, yeah, he's
1: yeah, it's silly. And um, yeah, it just feels like a lot of moments that aren't earned. And I don't think there's any scenario they could have done where I would believe the Terminator sacrifices himself and his last words are for John. <laughs> like I, I just don't, see any scenario in which I would be like...
0: I think if the movie was a two-hander between Linda Hamilton and Arnold where it's just about them and their conflicted relationship and you can really hammer that point through two hours where at the end you just buy his apology because they've spent an entire movie together. You know, maybe.
1: It's possible. We'll never know. Yeah, I
0: mean, you're supposed to believe that he's been sort of haunted by this... And that's why he's been texting her to try to keep her from going insane. So that's, again, that's a better movie than what we got. (laughs) But it's also a quieter movie, maybe a less action-packed movie.
1: Yeah, Um, and they, I mean, it's the same thing, though. They do the Sam Worthington shit with, like, the human that also has, like, the robotic parts and, like...
0: Well, Mackenzie Davis is better, though. yes
1: (laughs) i i like her intensity not going to debate that i'm just saying like the trope is very familiar it's what you said it nothing in this feels new or refreshing yeah except the ending or the beginning excuse me when edward for long gets shot i mean the funniest thing in the movie is not even played for laughs it's arnold walking around with like uh double fisting coronas with limes in them. That's, <laughs> that's the most comedic uh, piece of the film. Uh, it's fine. So let me... I would assume you like Salvation better than this.
0: I might even like Genesis better than wow. it. Wow. But it's not fair because it's the only one that I haven't rewatched. Okay. So my my memory of it, having just seen it but once... But still, it would be fairly recent. Yeah, but it's... But, you know, I have that first... It's kind of like how my memory of Rice's of Machines was kind of skewed by how much I was disappointed when I watched it. The same thing. I watched Dark Fate and I was disappointed. Yeah. Uh, Even more so now because, you know, I like Mackenzie Davis. I was pumped by Lena Hamilton, what they were doing with her character. And then, you know, the movie just kind of drops it. So, so to me, when I think Dark Fate, I just mostly think missed opportunities, poorly placed humor, and just a retread that didn't really need to be there. So, I think it might be my least favorite out of them. But on rewatch it might go up above Genesis. It's not going to be better than Salvation for me. Salvation has Sam Worthington and you just can't beat that.
1: Has Common. <laughs> yes. Bryce Dallas Howard.
0: All-star cast.
1: Helena Bonham Carter for some reason. <laughs> um, yeah. It, it it doesn't change that, you know, uh, one, two, three, stand head and shoulders above everything else for me. Like I tried to confusingly explain when we recorded previously, two is like, I fully concede one of the greatest action movies of all time, uh, if not just one of the greatest movies of all time. For me personally, you know, uh, gun to the head scenario, you can only have one. I'd probably say the first one because uh, theres it's just so good. It plays as much as I can give to for how incredible it is. The first one plays to the Alex Mattis interest almost to a T in that it is almost a horror movie and like the tropes that come with that really appeal to me more and Michael Bain and all the things we talked about previously. It's
0: romance.
1: Oh yeah, hopeless romantic. <laughs> uh, and three is great, uh, misunderstood, mis, uh, <laughs> underappreciated. <laughs> um, I, I'm not going to call it a masterpiece but I was actually, because it was the only one in this dive that I hadn't rewatched so I actually was going back and rewatching it the other night. And um, watch the ending today. It's it's great. It's one of the it's one of the movies that you know, in the right scenario with enough drinks, i I'd, I'd potentially fight over it to defend its <laughs> honor. Uh, Genesis, bottom of the barrel. You should rewatch Dark Fate just to give Genesis the proper burial that it deserves. <laughs> that being said, uh, Chaz likes it a lot more than either of us.
0: Yeah, I think, like he said, his review was three and a half. My letterbox is two and a half, I think.
1: I'd give it a C-. It attempts a few things. uh, A few of them hit. The main reason... I mean, a C's average, and this is average, because there's nothing new to it. There's not, like, one thing in the movie, aside from the shocking opening, there's not one moment where you, like, raise an eyebrow or two. Oh, that's fascinating. It's just... It's retreaded shit with a new paint of coat on it. It's fucking... You know what people bitch about the Madden games every year—just the same thing, or the new coat of paint on it.
0: Go rapid fire. You're anticipating the recoil. Put your weight forward. Arms up.
4: And wider stance.
0: Don't lock out your elbows. Enough of this bullshit. Let's get serious.
3: Terminator has just killed your whole family. What do you do?
1: So, uh, my official ranking, I guess, would be one, two, three, Dark Fate, Salvation, Genesis. Mind you, between three and Dark Fate, there's a pretty sizable gap. <laughs> uh, there's a. Uh, 1984 Arnold, ass size gap between those. <laughs> so, what would your ranking be of the Terminator franchise?
0: Uh, one and two, I mean, to me, there's no. I don't have to put disclaimers or anything. To me, it's very easy to say number one is better. The original is better than the second one. I, I have problems with the second one as I can recognize it's a great movie, but I I can pick things that I just I'm just going don't didn't work for me. Uh, then salvation, which has grown in my steam uh, with this with this project. I, You know, I, I used to joke how, about how much I liked it. I mean, uh-huh. I liked it, and I used to joke about how much I did because I knew it would get people riled up. And just rewatching it's like, no, I actually like it that much. <laughs> <laughs> For all the reasons that I listed in Real Talk, and some of them in Contrarians Corner, I just, I can forgive... It's flaws. It's numerous flaws because of the things that it gets right. And then comes the chasm for me. I think that Genesis and, and Rise of the Machines are pretty close together. Mm-hmm. might almost be like a tie for the, it, those two. I want to put Genesis above because I like time travel more than I like the things that Terminator 3 does. Mainly the ending and the conflicted. Next, so I like it more now than I did before. All right. You know? Yeah. Uh, Because before, I would say there's a huge chasm and then you have Rise of the Machines. But now it's like, no, it's moved up and then Dark Fate at the end. Pending a rewatch. Might be reshuffled, but, you know, it's not going to go any higher than above Genesis or above Rise of the Machines. Uh,
1: And then winding down here too, because you incorporated these into the podcast themselves, the trailers for these movies, and uh, you'd asked me to rank them. And, like, the first and the second one are just both so much of their time period. Yep. You have the 80s trailer. And of, the voice. It can't be reasoned with. It can and then the um two and the, like, you know, Schwarzenegger's back.
0: For good.
1: Yeah, and uh Terminator 2, judgment day. <coughs> yeah. Uh three's trailer is dope in that it features one thing that I did not bring up when we recorded originally possibly my favorite line of Terminator dialogue in any of the movies where Arnold says the line desire is irrelevant. I am uh-huh. a machine that's featured heavily in that trailer. So I really like that. I remember in Genesis specifically the trailer, he, when he does that, like swan dive into the helicopter that, and I was just like, what the fuck The Wolverine? Yeah. And then yeah. dark fate. Uh, I remember them showing Arnold and now realizing they shouldn't. So I kind of breezed through those. The best Terminator trailer is uh, the teaser for Salvation.
0: Okay, I was gonna say, do you skip Salvation because that is my number one?
1: So, well, which one are you talking about? I'm talking the one that's less than a minute.
0: Oh no, I'm talking about the one that I used for the for the okay. first part of this episode because I did. I was listening to it. I was getting pumped. <laughs> I wasn't even looking at the pictures, just like the music and you know, bail going like, "We're dead." We're all dead.
1: <laughs> yeah, listening to the especially the first two got got me like uh, goosebumpy. Um, but the teaser for Salvation, which was on The Dark Knight, along with Watchmen, I will find it and you can splice it in here.
3: I knew it. I knew I was coming. But this is not the future my mother warned me about. And in this future... I don't know if we can win this war. This is John Connor.
1: It's less than a minute, and it you just get very limited um, shots of what's going on. It makes sure to name drop Christian Bale and Sam Worthington, even though I don't think you really see either of them. And but you get some of Christian Bale's dialogue of like the him over the radio. This is John Connor, the All leader right. of the Resistance. And the thing is with it, the audio because it's like coming in choppy, like you're listening to a radio. It the audio starts going like
0: oh that's awesome yeah and
1: <laughs> i remember watching that and be like that's gonna be the greatest movie ever made
0: <laughs> and then it just at the end or it fades to black and you hear the joker laughing the <laughs> chills well
1: then it faded into the watchman trailer i was like no that's gonna be the greatest movie ever made it's
0: gonna be a great year
1: <laughs> and then dark knight happened i was like that was the greatest movie ever made <laughs> so uh sal- the teaser for salvation ranks head and shoulders above the Terminator lineup. But like I said, the the ones for the first three are just so, they're perfect time capsules of like what a movie trailer was in their time. Because I'm pretty sure three also has a lot of like gratuitous shots of uh the Terminatrix. Uh-huh. Yeah. But make sure to linger on a bunch of like shots of, um... fuck, it's late. I'm blanking Nick on her Stahl. name. Not Nick Stahl. <laughs> um, Catherine Brewster.
0: Oh, uh Claire Danes.
1: Claire Danes. Thank you. Just to make you, hey, hey a stars in this, come see our movie. <laughs> all right, so that concludes our discussion of the Terminator franchise, like the only time we've ever recorded a podcast over the uh, course of a week and a half, two weeks or so.
0: The timeline changed several times. It, it the did. I
1: mean, it's perfect. It's a fitting <laughs> franchise for it. So, all right, thanks again to Chaz. Um, and then, in conclusion, for this, just because I'm such a fucking nerd, I asked Julio if I could do a quick retrospective on the Terminator uh, franchise as it pertains to the video game world. Because and I
0: said that sounds delightful.
1: Because um, anyone, this was—I I said this. I said anyone in like our age range that was raised on this is gonna. When they think of Terminator, is going to immediately think of the Terminator 2 arcade cabinet. And you and Chaz both said, I'm not familiar with it. <laughs> and I was like, what the hell's wrong with y'all? Uh, when I put it out on uh, Twitter about, hey, what's your favorite Terminator movie and what's your favorite Terminator video game? Everyone was like, yeah, it's the T2 cabinet stand up. It's the light gun game, um, which also had a home port, but made me think about uh, all the Terminator games that I have played through. And it, I was just kind of curious of what there was, uh, what all was out there. Um, started in the early 90s. The original Terminator was, uh, I think in 1990, around that area. was There was a DOS version, an NES version, and a Sega version of the game that came out, which um, I've never actually played. It, it looks pretty shoddily made.
4: If a major motion picture was ever made to be a video game, it has to be The Terminator. In fact, when you really look at it, it's a video game of sorts already, with human heroes pitted against a monstrous mechanical enemy, a nail-biting plotline, and a nonstop manic chase through every part of the city. And of course, the explosive arsenal of video and audio effects that made The Terminator the action hit of the 80s. All that's missing is a way to translate the movie's incredible audiovisual action to the small screen, and a way to control it. Which is exactly what the software pioneers at Sunsoft have done. We're bringing the Terminator back in the biggest way possible. As the very first home video game to feature movie footage and interactive graphics technology. Want constantly moving multiple screens? You got them. Room rattling sound effects? You got them. In fact, when you add it all up, you'll see that the Terminator has bestseller written all over it.
1: It's kind of surprising they didn't to coincide with it, but of course, at the same time, there was nothing kid-oriented about the first Terminator movie. I think probably what happened was they were realizing they were going to make a second one, wanted to ramp up some more kids' advertising, because even though T2 is rated R, there was a toy line and obviously a coordinating video game. So... For the sake of pop culture impact and notoriety, the real launching pad for the Terminator video game uh, franchise was the T2 Judgment Day light gun game that came out in the arcade. It was two guns. It was a side-scrolling light gun game. It started off uh, post-Judgment Day.
4: When I play Terminator 2 with the Sega Menacer, I'm not afraid of deadly hunter killers, the indestructible T-1000. Endless endoskeletons. The evil Skynet. Nothing. Bobby! do give your Aunt Bertha a
0: big kiss. Well, almost nothing.
1: And they made the home ports for it, and I remember, I think Judgment Day, they say in T2, is supposed to be August 29th, 1997. Uh huh. I remember that because, as a little kid, I remember firing that up on that day and, like, freaking out. (laughs) Like, I remember, like, playing it and never... It's one of those things as a kid, you don't really read the stuff. you just like, let me get through it and play the game. And it said that date, and I was like, I think that's, like, today's date. And I looked at the calendar, and then, like, I went to the window and looked outside. (laughs) I was like, uh, uh uh-oh, is something bad going to happen?
0: So are you playing as... A character from... Are you John Connor? You're just
1: like a member of the Resistance. Okay. And um, it weaves between, like, levels or settings from the game. Like, if you get towards the end, there's, like, one where there's a liquid nitrogen tank behind, and you're supposed to shoot it to get Robert Patrick. And they have sprites of Robert Patrick and Arnold. God, and I can just remember the sound effects from the arcade... I mean, when you go to an arcade as a little kid, there's like so much noise going on, right, that you don't really register noises from specific games until you get right up there where the speakers like kind of aim down on you. And I remember the there was like this uh, MIDI guitar riff that meow like when you'd start a game, and you would feel a slight recoil in the gun at the cabinet. I remember it was, it's probably about five feet in the air. So as a kid, my dad used to have to give me a little stool and I had to stand on to play it. <laughs> But you feel that, and then um, whenever you get killed, it's just a real quick sound bite. Terminated. It was just Arnold, <laughs> and uh, there was the red and the blue side, and the high scores would be reflected. It was just like a mirror image of Arnold looking back at you. That t- Ninja Turtles, X Men, WrestleFest, Fest, and you know either Street Fighter Two or Mortal Kombat Two are like to me the most iconic video game cabinets ever. But they, like I said, they made the home console ports of the arcade game, but then they also made an independent Terminator 2 Judgment Day game. They made it for the NES uh, and Game Boy. That was just, if I, I think it was like a third-person side-scroller.
3: From the nightmare world of the future to the streets of Los Angeles, the Terminator takes you right to the very edge, then pushes you over. First, there was the Terminator now we have Terminator 2, Judgment Day. This NES game using digitized cinema graphics starts at the truck stop where the T-800 acquires clothing, a weapon and a motorbike. Later stages feature a battle with a truck in the stormwater drain, the hospital to find Sarah Connor and finally the battle at the metal refinery. You are a T-800 Terminator. It is a T-1000. You carry a lever-action Winchester. It is invincible. You have on-screen target search displays. It is made of liquid metal. You have 10 barrels of high explosives. It is the ultimate weapon of destruction. Save humanity and terminate the T-1000.
0: Hasta la vista, baby. That's the one I played, and it was really fucking hard. <laughs> <laughs> As
1: were many video games
0: of that time yeah. period. I mean, it, did you ever play it? No. No, it, it's... I mean, I know I never got too far, but the, I remember that when you got to the level with... You know, it follows a movie, so you're Arnold, you're in the motorcycle, you have John Connor with you, and uh, Robert Patrick is coming after you with the trailer, the big truck, and so... You have to shoot back at him to like get him to slow down, but you also have to shoot forward to open the gates. Oh, man. It, it's fucking hard. Because you know the moment that you miss a shot, <laughs> then you get rolled over. I don't know if I ever made it past that level. So. Was there like
1: the 8-bit mini version of You Could Be Mine?
4: <laughs> <laughs>
1: and then, of course, they had a, a, as with any, almost still to this day, any big action release, you have the coordinating pinball game to go with it.
4: Get that that's hot. Fire at will. Awesome.
1: Which I've played, and it's, it's fun. I mean, people say there's a skill to pinball, which I want to believe, but I've played so much of it and I'm so bad at it that, like, I, I think you can get good at the same... Uh,
0: it's part of the skill not like hitting the machine is I mean I've seen people Tilt? do that and, yeah, yeah you're not supposed to right yeah. but but
1: was it at the b Cave Cinemark we had the Spider-Man pinball game? Yes, yes. which was
0: later replaced by X-Men.
1: Okay cuz I got really good at Spider-Man cuz I played it like every night like for a summer and so you re- you recognize patterns I don't think Uh, pinball machines are something that you can just walk up to one and be good at. Maybe you can, but I think it's more of like an acquired skill. I think you
0: recognize patterns is right. At some point you see that when the ball is like arching in a very specific way, it's like, ah, it's time to do the the left flipper.
1: (laughs) Moving along to Terminator 3, of course, it had a coordinating pinball game as well, which I've played. Uh, More importantly, though, it had... um, Was it
0: shaped like a woman?
1: A very shapely (laughs) woman. There was the Terminator 3 Rise of the Machines film adaptation game for PS2, Xbox. A
4: decade ago, the most advanced killing machine ever created prevented Judgment Day. But the future is not set. Get down. The machines will rise and war will never be the same. For the first time ever, fight as Arnold Schwarzenegger. Packed with over 60 minutes of computer animation and T3 film footage featuring the original motion picture cast, one man, one machine, one mission, you are the ultimate weapon. It is time. Terminator 3, Rise of the Machines, coming holiday 2003.
1: I remember playing that because that game was awesome. It was a first-person shooter that would at some times go to a third-person perspective. You acted out the, uh, you played through the plot of the movie, and the different missions and levels were interspersed with actual scenes from the film, but it would also have, like, I guess, original content in that you would play through things that were discussed in the movie but not actually shown Uh the most notable being you play as arnold the t-800 on the mission where he goes to kill john connor
0: and you kill john connor as part of the it
1: goes to like a cutscene where like uh john connor like opens the door and then arnold just comes in and i think he's like it's time or something and then just shoots him and i remember playing it was like holy shit but there's like third person fight scenes also where you're Arnold and you fight the uh, Terminatrix. And um, especially in the post uh, I always get which generations they are mixed up. So in the PlayStation 2, Xbox world, especially in that, there's such a negative connotation attached to video games based on movies or video games that come out to coordinate with movies that a lot of. Uh, I think good ones have been kind of overlooked I was actually uh, interestingly enough listening to a podcast where guy was talking about one of the Ice Age video games Mm -hmm. he's like it's so good but no one gave it a chance because it is attached to a movie and people just think those in a lot of cases they are they're just kind of rushed and forced out to just kind of make as much money on the side it's
0: funny because there is a similar phenomenon I guess with movies based on video games
1: (laughs) yeah absolutely absolutely I remember the main thing I remember from the game is uh, your Arnold in the scene where you get the casket full of cachet weapons cachet, uh-huh. and you have to do that without killing anyone, and it's so hard because all these cars are blown up uh-huh. and stuff. But it's great, and it's a it's a game I don't think enough people give an opportunity to because of the stigma attached to it. And then we had several years until Terminator Salvation. Mind you, in between these, there were uh, intermittent original games released. None that ever really had uh, too much of a uh, imprint or co- uh, footprint, I should say, to speak of. There was one called Future Shock, uh, Dawn of Fate. These were just games that, you know, the Terminator franchise is alive and well, so we got to get these out.
0: RoboCop versus Terminator.
1: RoboCop versus Terminator. That's a good one. Uh, the Terminator Rampage. Uh, he
0: fights a giant ape. <laughs> giant lizard. <laughs>
1: um, but as far as the ones based on the movie go, and the big one here was the return to the light gun genre, which was Terminator Salvation.
0: Which we have. Do you and, guys still have that yep, at the theater? We, we still have it in the lobby.
3: I try and remember the world the way it used to be, but it gets harder every day. So many different stories of defeat, so many faces of death. <laughs>
1: One thing remains constant. Whatever we try to do to stop
3: the machines. It's never enough. We lose more often than we win. And people keep dying. Remembering the way things were used to
1: give me hope. But the truth is, I'm starting to lose faith. I can't remember if we did it there. It would have had to been there because we would you know, get a bunch of tokens and play through. I played through that whole game once, and it just gets so ridiculously hard, but...
0: Is um, Helena Bonham Carter the final boss?
1: (laughs) I have no documented proof of this, but (laughs) if I had to guess, they wanted to go... They wanted to get back to Terminator in every conceivable asset... uh, Facet, excuse me. And part of that included the toy line for salvation was about as immersive as that for T2 and they wanted to bring back the arcade experience uh and it, it's a light gun game it's an upgrade it was just you know 2009 graphics and capabilities for it and it's a big it's not like a little handgun it's it's like a rifle that you have and you have to reload and yeah. all that stuff it's way more immersive but it, i think they what they wanted to do was kind of what we were talking about that dark fate didn't do in that They wanted to be familiar but fresh, and they they tried to do that with this game. And it's fun. It's just one thing that can't be understated is that the demand for arcade games had diminished greatly over the 17 years in between these uh, two things being released. (laughs) That's
0: not what the cool kids do anymore.
1: (laughs) Apparently not.
0: The cool kids' parents (laughs) (laughs) would go and play at the arcade
1: but it was fun and it's something it's just a really small thing that i've grown kind of appreciation for over the past few years of being like yeah they they you know they attempted to relaunch the franchise in every way and that also includes things that the you know john and jane q public don't think about and that's you know arcade light gun games for christ's sake um Following that, the Terminator franchise pretty much went into the uh, mobile arena. Like The movies they've had since then have all had mobile games come out coordinating with it.
3: Alex Lopez wasn't a member of the Resistance when we found him in that war camp. He'd spent his life in the ruins, surviving, learning to protect himself. We are going to liberate the camp. Lopez looked like someone on the inside we could depend on, someone we could recruit. All he needed was firepower. If we could smuggle some in for him, he could open the gates for us.
4: Lopez, take these weapons.
3: Here's a comms device too. The resistance is waiting on the outside. Listen for instructions.
1: Um, I'm just not sure how much people find worth in releasing movie-based video games anymore on consoles. It's not just Terminator. It's... In the PlayStation 2 era, any action movie that came out had some sort of coordinating video game come along with it. The first um, Nolan Batman, Batman Begins, has a video game that like everyone from the cast voiced for. And it was just like a way more profitable <laughs> avenue then. And I think a big franchise like Terminator reflects what people in positions of power think is like the most viable option and that's mobile gaming star wars will always have video games but you know spider-man was a big one that all the movies had coinciding video games come out with it and now the only spider-man game that's come out in quite a while was like a completely original one for the consoles so it's something that it, it seems to have diminished but also one of the reasons for that is um licensing like i'm pretty sure all these mobile games are just like very generic people interacting. Part of the appeal of...
0: Somebody doing his Arnold impersonations.
1: (laughs) Part of the appeal of um, the Terminator games initially and, you know, a lot of movie games that came out at the time, the X-Men games back in the PS2 era, was you were Hugh Jackman. You were Arnold Schwarzenegger. Now that shit's all out of control. Um, (laughs) It's interesting if you follow the history of the Terminator video games, what companies and major franchises found profitable and how much effort and to put into something and where to put that focus on it Uh, I I think it's it's a cool and it's also like a history of where games were and what were important at the time when these things came out more so probably than any other franchise I can think of right off the top of my head because like I said Star Wars has always had its finger in every pie not just video game but everything Right. even when
0: we didn't have a major theatrical release. Mm-hmm. You still had Star Wars video games, Star Wars comic books, Star Wars books.
1: Yeah. So that's why I think uh, as, as a video game and just general pop culture nerd myself, following the history of the Terminator video games and where they, you know, put the effort, I think was very reflective of the times that they were released and how they were released. And yet today it's not to say that Arnold still doesn't show up and shit because he was uh, in the most recent Mortal Kombat. Uh, he's a playable character in it.
0: I saw the commercials.
4: You are also a cyborg. No, just cybernetically enhanced. You will be terminated. Fight.
1: I saw someone play through, and they were arnold and they played scorpion and scorpion did the thing where he spit fire at him and uh-huh. it melted his skin off and he was like the exoskeleton underneath that's I thought that, awesome thought that was badass and then winding this all up about a um arnold also licensing his image as the terminator character for a, another game cuz as i do everything comes back to wrestling in the end wwe 2k16 which those games are released like the maddens like a year ahead of time so that would have been released in 2015 uh For whatever reason, WWE had a very vested interest in, uh, Terminator Genesis. Um, they have always had a very good relationship with Arnold Schwarzenegger. Um, he has been on their television show several times, uh, most notably probably the coolest thing he did from a perspective of like, he wasn't just there to promote a movie in 2013, uh, a very famous pro wrestler by the name of Bruno San Martino was inducted into the WWE hall of fame in Madison square garden. And Arnold actually inducted him because he talked about as an immigrant coming over. Cause that was what Bruno was yeah. like, uh, he was also a bodybuilder and like, he just talked about how much influence he took from him. And it was a really, really cool thing. Um, so in 2015, uh, again, I don't know why. I guess they thought Genesis was going to be huge. They uh, invested a lot. Who didn't? Yeah, that's fair. <laughs> they invested so much into it that they made Arnold a part of the video game as uh, you could play as him from Terminator 1 or you could play as him from Terminator 2. and like Not he, as Pops? He rides a motorcycle to the ring. And uh, as I showed you, they... Um, recreated the bar scene from Terminator 2 using wrestlers of the time and things of that nature.
4: I need your clothes, your boots, and your motorcycle. (laughs) You forgot to say please.
1: Uh, And then also the Wrestlemania that year, which was in um, San Francisco or Santa Clara, the set and you've seen like the Wrestlemania sets they're big and extravagant it was a big setup but the Wrestlemania font was the Terminator font and Triple H in his big match came out as uh, the Triple H version of the Terminator (laughs) and it was so ridiculous because they played the and um there were a bunch of people dressed up like resistance members, and there were Terminator skulls on the ground and shit like that. And Arnold recorded a, a voiceover for it. It's time to play the game. <laughs> Didn't go well. So, uh,
0: <laughs> much like everything else associated with Genesis.
1: <laughs> yes. So, I'm not sure that they ever really recouped that money they invested in it. And I remember they were just advertising it like fucking crazy. But what it did do was help bring home this discussion of Arnold in video games as you can play as Arnold against, you know, Brock Lesnar or whatever your your heart desires, so...
0: Can you play against Scorpion?
1: uh, That wouldn't come for... Here we're, like, jumping time frames again, so it's perfect for the Terminator discussion. Um, Yeah, if you, you ever... Feel the need, or you know, kind of get a wild hair up your ass about researching the Terminator franchise as far as the video game side of things. It's, it's, it's interesting, and like I said, it's very reflective of what the trends and the times called for. Uh, more so than any other franchise I can really think of offhand. Um, the best one is still T two for <laughs> the arcade. I mean, you don't get much more iconic than that. And also, the graphics were so groundbreaking for the time and. You see a movie like Star Wars or you see a movie like Terminator, you don't want it to end. You want to be able to go somewhere and keep it going. Yeah. No. And the Terminator 2 arcade game with the gun was the first time that you, for me personally, and even just like looking back on history, I'm not really sure of any other gaming experience. That was like that that continued the movie off screen for you as like a fan and as a viewer because the first Star Wars arcade game is still like just those green lines (laughs) of like you have to really use your imagination to kind of envision what you're doing. So for that, I, I mean, as you guys can tell from hearing me drone on about this, the... T uh, two game and the Terminator video games in general have a, made a really big impact on me as a as a fan of the franchise. Were you
0: bummed though playing the Terminator two game because basically it undoes the ending of T two as a movie? Because uh, T two ends and you're thinking, all right, they saved the day. Judgment Day is not going to happen. Well, as
1: a especially a young person, you just want to get Arnold back. You just don't care. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <laughs> what is storytelling? <laughs> Give me my action.
1: That also laid the groundwork for um, Revolution X, which was a side-scrolling shoot 'em up with Aerosmith. Hell yeah! Uh, yep. When you learn in the end, Joe Perry, uh, uh, a sprite of Joe Perry, tells you music is the ultimate weapon. <laughs> Man, this this has been one of the more fun projects we've done. Just kind of covering this franchise in and out, and uh, it was it was fun to have Chaz along for it. We'll have to figure out another one of these to do.
0: This is some sort of beloved franchise ups and downs. X-Men. <laughs>
1: <laughs> all right. So that was Terminator. That was all of Terminator. All
0: of the Terminators, games included.
1: They can't make another one. We They have to be done. Otherwise, They have we'll to have consult to, with us. We'll have to amend this. <laughs> I have to add on to it. All right, so winding down like we do with any episode, moving on to plugs. Uh, First and foremost, the Festive Years, who provide our opening and closing tracks. Opening, last stand, closing, summer of 99. Thefestiveyears.com for all your Festive Years needs.
0: Our friend and fellow podcaster, Hans Rothgeiser, he did our logo. He can do yours. Uh, You can contact him on Twitter, at Mildemonios, M-I-L-D-E-M-O-N-I-O-S. You can email him, mildemonios at hotmail.com. You can visit his website, mildemonios.pe. Uh, he not only does logos, he's also a writer. He has a new novel in Spanish. But, you know, some of you listen to us know Spanish. <laughs> this is Nolan, uh, uh, he has basically a series of zombie books that he writes. He just came out with a third one, Requiem por Ludin. Uh, and his two podcasts, Nación Combi, which is in Spanish. You can find in any podcatcher. It's about Peruvian current affairs. And Living in Peru... Just in English. You can find it on an iBox, and it's about people that moved to Peru to live there. Who would have thought that's a thing?
1: All right. So we have to strip nude once more and travel back in time to bring Chaz back on the podcast for his plug.
0: <laughs> dun, 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 dun. <laughs> So Chas, go ahead and and do your plug. Tell people where they can find you and what, or if there's anything that you can that you want to plug. That this is the time.
2: Okay, as always, if you're a budding screenwriter or even not so budding, um, I'd love to plug my own podcast, which is Draft Zero, uh, where we analyze what makes great screenplays work. And finally, uh, my other plug is that I have some, I guess proof of whether i can write or not um i'm very excited that a short film that i wrote and was produced by another writer and producer last year called the snip has had its online release and uh if you like the idea of a 16-minute romantic comedy about a guy who's so sick of being asked when he's going to have kids that he goes off and gets a vasectomy without telling his wife uh and I believe there are some other people on the podcast who can relate to these kind of pressures and, um, then yes, please go and see it. Um, I know that, uh, you guys have already been great in, uh, putting out the link in your own social media feed. So, uh, I'm sure your listeners can find it through there or I don't know. And thanks so much for having me on, guys. Uh, it's always with a bit of trepidation that I come onto this podcast because I am genuinely scared that you'll make me hate movies that I love. Um, and you'll also force me to watch total shit. Um, but uh, as always, so much fun and a real privilege. Thanks.
0: Thank you, Chad.
2: <laughs> for the final time. Thank you. Now fuck
1: off. All right. <laughs> All right. So cover the terminator that's that we will get back to the uh, normal numeric swing of things Uh, might come back and circle back on a project like this in the future but for now if this is all you get do know that myself julio and Chaz put a lot of effort into this one so we do appreciate y'all listening and we do appreciate you as always for supporting the contrarians where we're right and you're wrong and we will catch you next time I mean, that's one of those male asses that you're like, God damn.
0: When do you see it? When he time travels? Well, he,
1: he, and he's in the, the Terminator stance when he comes out of the orb, and, like, you see the, the profile of it. I mean, that's the Vivica A. Fox in Independence Day. <laughs> like, I don't even know if you get a clear shot of it in that movie, but you get the profile shot, and you're like, fuck. <laughs> like, it's just, pow, right there. So. Coming
0: up, bonus episode, top five asses.
1: Oof. That, that'd be a hell of a... That'd be a whopper lineup. Because um, what's Homegirl's name in Uncut Gems? Julia Fox. Man, a new challenge approaches. I'll tell you what.
0: So Arnold is one?
1: No, 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 no. Arnold wouldn't be one, but he, he'd definitely be in the discussion. I mean, if we're getting into real talk here, I, I am an ass connoisseur. So this would be like... I jest about Arnold, but I'm not sure if he'd make the cut.
0: <laughs> I think to be fair, you'd have to make two lists. Man ass. Yeah, man ass. Woman ass. The, the,
1: the female category. Yeah, I think uh, I think it's doable. I don't know. <laughs> the wheels are spinning now.
0: That'll be at our next summer event. <laughs> Because <laughs> like, then
1: we got Ruffalo, and the kids are all right. Yeah. Yeah. That's probably the most gratuitous. I mean, you see right down Devil's Alley in that movie, man.
0: Uh, you don't really see De Nero ass in Righteous Kill. You see the profile. You know, it's from the side. The you get more
1: like glistening chest with him in that. <laughs> and like his face and just the, the, the reality <laughs> of what he's doing just washes over you. Yeah. <laughs> Uh I think I'd have to consult the books. I don't know if it's really Hugh Jackman's ass and Origins Wolverine. It's impressive, whatever whatever we see in that. But.
0: It almost feels like he got in such good shape that it would be a shame if it wasn't. Right? If you were Hugh Jackman, I don't care about my what my contract says. I was like right now, this is probably the best shape my ass is ever gonna be in. So Similar
1: similarly, I'm not sure if that's Denise Richards and Wild Things. I would need to consult the, the playbook on that. She goes full frontal on that, but I'm not sure, because like, um, oh Jennifer Lopez and the the boy next door, or is it the girl next door? What's that movie called? The boy next door. Oh, the girl next door is uh, Alicia. Yeah. And then, um, no, no Mila Kunis because I know she used a double for whatever that (laughs) shitty movie she made with Justin Timberlake was. There's a lot of research to be done on this subject.